Welcome to the Peepcast, brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. It is January 13th, 2022. Week 18 is in the books, and the playoffs are finally here. I will break down all the crazy action of last week and let you know what you should be on the lookout for for this super wild card weekend. I also have a special treat as today I will be introducing you to my new partner on the Peepcast, Ronnie Easton. The playoffs are here. Let's get it. All right. Well, we're here on the Peepcast, and today is a huge day for the Peepcast. For almost an entire year, I've been doing this podcast by myself, and as I mentioned in the intro, we got a partner. I've got a partner. I'm really excited. Ronnie Eastham, everybody. Ronnie, how's it going, man? You just got back from an amazing trip to go see your Buffalo Bills. How did it go? Oh, man, that was absolutely the most amazing experience of my life. Uh, just being a part of the Bills Mafia for so long and to finally experience it firsthand. Uh, it was incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I know you sent me a video of Stefan Diggs actually throwing you a ball before the game. I was trying to have that happen to me when I went to the 49er Arizona game, but Debo Samuel was all the way on the other end of the stadium. So I missed out on that. How cool was that experience? That was definitely the highlight of the, the, the whole weekend. Uh, and just the timing of it, my, my wife was videoing Stefan just playing catch with people along the sidelines. And as she's following the ball and she points the camera towards me and realizes I've got it, she, you could hear in the background, babe. <laughs> and uh, it, it was incredible, man, just – Amazing. Dude, that is awesome. Well, and the coolest thing was about that game is it was a hat and t-shirt game. I know you and I were texting. I was telling you, bro, they might have the opportunity to win the division when you're there. And of course, we we knew that you were going, you found out at Christmas time. Uh, but hat and t-shirt game, they were able to clinch the division for the first time in, what was it, 26 years? Isn't that what you said? 26 years, yeah, for first time at clinching at home. And you were there for that. That was your first Bills game too, wasn't it? Yes, first first ever. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Well, um, Ronnie is a, a good friend of mine, and we're going to be doing this podcast together, um, and I'm I'm so excited for it. Ronnie is, as you've heard, a member of Bill's Mafia. Did you break any tables while you were there? I know you wanted to break some tables. Unfortunately, did not have the opportunity to do so. Uh, <laughs> if, if the opportunity had been there, I totally would have jumped through it. Uh, but I just also want a huge shout out to Bill's Mafia people out there. The, the way they treated my wife and myself was amazing. And not just as football fans, but just as people in general. Everybody there in Buffalo was so nice to us, and it was it, I, speechless how the weekend was. It was fantastic. Man, that that sounds uh, that sounds amazing. Well, you're back. We're back here together, and we got a ton of football to talk about, man. You ready for that? Uh, let's get it on. Let's do this. Heck yeah. So 
uh, this last week, we got to do a quick roundup of week 18, let you guys know kind of everything that happened. And Ronnie, I want to hear kind of some of your reactions. So we're not going to go through kind of what we do in the regular season where I kind of go through every single game and every single score. But there were some big games that had some crazy impacts. In particular, the first one that all started this crazy domino into Sunday night football was the Colts and the Jaguars. Indianapolis has now lost seven straight road games versus Jacksonville. I honestly did not anticipate Jacksonville being much in that game, especially as, as much as the, the Colts had on the line in that game. I mean, realistically, going into that game, all they had to do was win, and they were in the playoffs. It would have eliminated the Ravens. It would have eliminated the Steelers. That was a, a crazy game, Ronnie. Uh, I wanted to kind of get your take on on what happened there. Carson Wentz really you know, laid an egg in that game. Yeah, and this isn't the first time. They could have clinched a playoff spot a week ago, too. Uh, and so back-to-back losses like that uh, cost them the playoff spot. I, I don't know if Carson Wentz is the answer there for the Colts going forward. Um, and we'll, we'll just have to wait to see this offseason what happens. But, yeah, it's an incredible way to just kind of drop it, the, you know, literally drop the ball right there at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think that he had a road interception all season long. So he had played pretty well on the road all season long and alluding to your point, we're not sure who's going to be the quarterback. You know who else doesn't know who's going to be the quarterback there this season, or at least won't make any definitive comment. That's the Colts GM, Chris Ballard today in an interview, he said, he's not going to comment on who will be here next year. He was very noncommittal for Carson Wentz. And that's pretty surprising considering what they gave up in the off season for him. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting this offseason to see what happens. Uh, There could be potentially some free agent quarterbacks out there, maybe some uh, involvement in some trades. Uh, We'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be a fun offseason. But before we start talking about the offseason, we got some playoffs. (laughs) We do got some playoffs. And you know who ain't going to be a part of it? That's the Colts. You lay an egg week 18 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're not in the dance, my friend. So that game really like flicked that first domino into this really outrageous Sunday of all these different uh, playoff scenarios. And I'll eat some crow because I even said I did not anticipate the Steelers even having an opportunity to get in. And here we are wild, super wild card weekend. They're in all because of the next game we're going to talk about. And that was the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, that game came down to the wire. I know your wife's a huge Raiders fan. She had to have been on the edge of her seat for that game. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were actually in our the house we rented in Buffalo um, watching that game Sunday night after we got back to the, to the house. And it was just they're up 15 and you're thinking, OK, they got this. This is a done deal. Uh, but no, Chargers came storming back and uh, made it a made a game of it, and it went into overtime. Yeah, it was an amazing game to to, to watch, and the possibilities of ending in a tie. Like you're thinking, there's no way this is going to happen. No way. And the closer you get to the clock ticking down to zero, you're like, okay, is this going to actually happen? Are they, they going to tie this game? Yeah, it was. I was watching that, and first of all, 
it, that game could have been anybody's game, right? I, I was actually, there was a scenario that realistically, if the Raiders and the Chargers took a knee the entire game, rest of their players and just took a knee, they both would be in the playoffs. They didn't even, even really need to play the game. But divisional rivals, do you really trust the other team to do that? Like, do you go out there on the first series and go, okay, I'm going to knee, I'm going to punt. And all of a sudden, Justin Herbert's throwing dimes all over the field. You're like, we just wasted possession. Like, do you trust your division rival to do that? I don't know. I don't think you could. And I don't know if it would be very – I don't think – ever. those guys are competitors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're competitors out there. They want to go out there and compete, and they want to earn their right into the playoffs. So that was crazy that I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. But then it goes into overtime when it looked like the Raiders had the game, like it, what were they up? 16 points at one point, uh, yeah. the Chargers scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. And then it goes into overtime. Let me ask you, Ronnie, do you think if Brandon Staley doesn't call that timeout, do you think that there would have been a tie? I do. Uh, I know the, the press conference afterwards, uh, Derek, or David, Derek Carr, said uh, that timeout kind of changed their mentality. He didn't go into detail, but I, I do think that that's what happened. Uh, but I also think that the Chargers had some opportunities blown. Uh, Staley's uh, penchant for going for it constantly, in my opinion, I think cost him this game. Yeah, I, I think so too. What was really crazy in my mind was to hear the contrast between what uh, Derek Carr said and what Brandon Staley said after the game. Brandon Staley said, no, I don't think that that had any impact on what they did. And Derek Carr's like, no, obviously it had an impact. Yeah, yeah. And you could, you could see on the, whether you were there or you were on, you know, watching on the TV, the body language changed. Like the Raiders were playing for a tie. They were waiting for that clock to tick down. And it was like, he calls timeout and that was almost like a slap in the face. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not playing for a tie. And they're like, well, what do you mean? We only need 10 yards to, okay, I guess we're, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, and then to the point of Staley's, you know, like I said, going for it, uh, there was a game earlier against the chiefs where he went for inside the five yard line multiple times and they got, came away with nothing. I think that cost him the game too. Uh, I don't know where you stand as far as the, the, being aggressive this way i i do like it to an extent but i think he's going overboard yeah and i i think we've kind of we've seen that a little bit this year teams going he actually in that particular game he went for it on fourth down not in opponent's territory he was backed up on his own 18 yard line and yeah. he went for it on fourth and two that's like unheard of it's just unheard of that yeah. you would go for it in that situation. You're basically giving the Raiders points if you don't get it. Yeah, and they came away with three points on that too in the swing drive. Man, uh, I, I really think, you know, sometimes when it comes to, you know, the analytics of the new age, you know, everybody's looking at the analytics. Okay, well, if you go for it here, you have a 67% chance of making it. But what kind of goes out the window is what are the repercussions if you don't? And is this a good... I mean, analytics don't tell you the momentum of the game. It doesn't tell you the feel of, uh, is the other team tired? Do they have a beat on some of your plays? Are they, 
you know, are they teeing off on your guys? Are they winning at the line of scrimmage? Analytics won't tell you that. It'll just tell you what your probability of gaining two yards on a particular play. Right. But it's not going to tell you all the human aspects in making that decision. And I, I, I do applaud coaches for being aggressive, kind of to your point, you know, where I stand with it. Oftentimes, I think if you're inside the five and if you're playing, uh, and I feel bad, Johan, I know you're going to listen to this and I tee off on your Eagles all the time. But if you're playing a run heavy team like the Eagles that maybe don't have the downfield threats, I almost say, okay, kind of go for it because if they're not able to get a first down, they punt the ball to you. You're able to get, you know, in good field position, most likely you're going to have an opportunity to score again. But in that particular moment, you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs and you know they're explosive. Like, it would not surprise me, you, or anybody listening to this podcast if that very next play, if Kansas City, you know, threw a 99-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. Like, everybody would be like, yeah, that's what the Chiefs do. They do it. That's yeah. they. That's the Chiefs. So, in that game, I was like, you got to get the points. And as, their defense was holding them in that game. But, yeah, in this particular game against the, the Las Vegas Raiders, that timeout really didn't make sense to me. And um, I, I think – it, it boiled down to he just went to the well too many times. And, and uh, you know, when it comes to being aggressive and they, and they say this about gunfighters, well, gunfighters get shot too, you know? <laughs> and I think, I think that's kind of what happened to him there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the Raiders, they were able to clinch a playoff spot in that game. Your bills clinched the AFC East for the first time in 26 years. That's amazing. The next thing we're going to talk about is, how crazy was that San Francisco Rams game on Sunday afternoon? That game was bonkers. And I'll tell you what, I was very concerned for the first hour and a half of that game, especially when we went down 17 nothing. Yeah, uh, I was kind of scoreboard watching um, that game and uh, I was thinking about you the whole time. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I know he's like freaking out right now. Oh, I was freaking out. My whole thing going into that Sunday was, all right, so I need one of two things to happen. The 49ers, if they win, they were in, but they were playing against the Rams, but they've had some success against the Rams. They had won five straight before, you know, that the game on Sunday. Or all the Atlanta Falcons had to do was just kind of show up against the Saints who have played four different quarterbacks this year, who also lost Taysom Hill in that game. But I'm looking at that scoreboard, and at one point, you know, the Saints were up by, like, 17 points. And I'm going, this is not good. The Saints are up 27 points. My Niners are down 17 points. This is not a good recipe for a good Sunday for me in the in the Beaver household. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that totally. Uh, yeah, a big third quarter, though, from San Francisco. Got them right back in that game. Yeah, the, I think the biggest thing – that happened is they were able to get three points right before the half. And what is really crazy in nine of their games this year, and actually they lead the league in this before halftime, they lead the league in scoring in the last two minutes uh, right before half. And then what happens is they get the, they got the ball in that game, but they've done this kind of throughout the season. They're able to get, you know, kind of double up where right. They get the ball after halftime they go down, Debo Samuel scores a touchdown, boom, 17-10. They were right back in the game, and all they needed was one defensive stop to get to have an opportunity to tie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the 
deferring in the, the first half and, and getting that opportunity to double up at the end of the first and start of the second. I know Kyle Shanahan is. I, I know he's a big uh, proponent of that, and it definitely paid off for him. What was really crazy, and then I, I have to mention this in this game, and this might be tooting my San Francisco 49er horn here a little bit, but when they punted back to the Rams, they were down 24-17 to 17 in the fourth quarter with a minute and 57 seconds left in the game. They actually, according to, let's go back to analytics here, 0.4 of a percent of a chance to come back and win that game. That is actually a lower percentage than when the New England Patriots came back against the Atlanta Falcons when they were down 28 to 3. Wow. So that was a lower probability than that game, which was an incredible game. They punted back to the Rams and going back. So, I mean, we just talked about being aggressive, right? Sean McVay, he has the ball, and the 49ers have been stuffing the run all day. They get to third and seven. And I'm thinking, for sure, they're at least going to have a play-action pass in here just to keep them off balance. But he chose to run the ball there. What do you think about that? That's a gutsy move for sure. Uh, it, it, I, going back to you know, when I'm watching these games, whether it's Buffalo or whoever, and it's third, four, five, six, fourth down, five and six yards, whatever, it's almost a, a guarantee that they're going to throw, right? Uh, and you think, okay, maybe they'll sur- surprise them with the run game, uh, with a run, but when it doesn't work, everybody gets on you. <laughs> and you just, it, it, there's no way, you've got to throw it, you've got to throw it, and sometimes it, they don't, and it works out. Yeah, and I mean, I understand his his philosophy on it, but it, I mean, at that this particular moment, the Rams are in the playoffs. On the scoreboard, it looks as if the the Cardinals are uh, going to lose to the Seattle Seahawks, and it just looked like okay. Well, that means the Rams will have the West. They don't have to worry about that now. I wonder if he was scoreboard watching a little bit, but he also has lost five straight to his friend across the sideline, Kyle Shanahan. It, I, when I looked at him, he was calling the play, and it almost looked like he took a deep breath and then called the run. Like, I want to do this, but I just can't right now. I need to play it safe. I need to have them take their time out because I don't think that they're going to be able to go 88 yards against the defense, which ultimately – Jimmy Garoppolo had what may have been a career-defining moment in that game where he had no timeouts. He had, I think it was 107 seconds left. He goes down there and actually scores with a time that Matthew Stafford actually had an opportunity to drive his team down with 25 seconds left, but the 49ers were able to put a kibosh on that and were able to win the game in overtime. However, he went right down there, hot knife through butter, and did that. I thought that was pretty incredible. Pretty, It was a surreal moment for me, knowing everything that has kind of happened this season with the 49ers traded up in the draft to get Trey Lance. Is this the last time that we're going to see, was that going to be his last drive in San Francisco? And you got to think that that was going through his head in that moment. Oh, I'm sure, no doubt. And, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen Garoppolo kind of put the team on his back and drive him downfield. 
in a, in a late game situation like that either. Um, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to be his last hurrah with the Rams or the 49ers. Uh, but I'm kind of thinking that maybe they, they stick with it one more year, give Lance another season on the bench to watch and learn and see what happens after that. Yeah. And I wouldn't be sad by that either. I know Garoppolo is under contract with the 49ers next year. I know he's due $28 million next year. I know that there's some financial impacts uh, to that decision, uh, but it's such a crazy different tune that I think everybody is kind of mentioning right now. I think you're hearing more of a shift towards maybe they should kind of stay with Garoppolo when at the beginning of the season, it was, when is it Trey Lance's time? What week is Trey Lance going to start? Um, Trey Lance is only 21 years old, just barely 21 years old. He barely, after the draft, he couldn't even buy a celebratory beer. That's how young he is. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about, you know, how young he is, they still have Garoppolo under contract one more year. If they have the means and the cap, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. I agree. I, and that's probably the direction I would go. But I also think that this playoff run is going to have a lot to do with those decisions as well. Uh, if it's a one and done and he doesn't play well, may, maybe they decided to go the other direction. But if he can give him a good push through the playoffs and make some noise, I think you give him another another year. And that's straight blasphemy, my friend, talking about him not playing well this week. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, You know, you I think you're know. absolutely right, though. Uh, when you talk about that, if he goes on a Super Bowl run, like, I know that there's only – I don't even say it's a handful. The only quarterback that I can think of in my memory right now that won the Super Bowl and was not with his team the very next year was Trent Dilfer in 2000 when he won it with the Ravens because then he – moved on but that was because Trent Dilfer wasn't any good Garoppolo is pretty good I mean he's not an elite quarterback but he's he's kind of in that that next tier of he'll win you some game I mean his winning percentage is unbelievable so well that's it for the this week and talking about the games we got a whole bunch of games coming up this weekend but before we get there the result of some of these games and the result of some of these seasons had some head coaches fired this week. Uh, Black Monday came around um, and there was a big firing today. So um, we know that Matt Nagy, he was fired on Monday from the Chicago Bears. Mike Zimmer, he was let go of his duties uh, there in Minnesota. Today, the report just came across maybe – uh, two hours ago, as David Culley has been relieved of his duties. Joe Judge uh, yesterday um, was fired as the head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, any other ones come to your mind there, Ronnie? Um, the, the biggest one, well, I guess shocking, uh, was Flores out of Miami. You know, two back-to-back seasons, winning seasons. I, I know they started off pretty rough this year. Uh, but from what I'm hearing, a lot of that had to do with uh, Tua and a difference of opinions between the coach and ownership, and that that happens. Yeah, no, I, I think um, you being such a big fan of the AFC East, um, I, I knew that you would uh, want to talk about that one. And that that's a really interesting situation because they did lose seven games in a row to, to really start the season, right? I think they won their first game and then they lost seven in a row. But then they had an eight-game winning streak, I believe. They were actually in contention for the playoffs. Um, 
it's shocking to me that they let him go. But I think you're right. He, Flores wanted Deshaun Watson. He made it known. And there was a lot of talk. Deshaun Watson going to the Miami Dolphins. And uh, I mean, obviously, the people in Miami are committed to Tua kind of, you know, going forward beyond this year, especially when they fire their head coach kind of over the difference of opinion there. Yeah. And, you know, going into next season, I don't know, uh, you know, who, which quarterback is going to be in the market and the, the draft class upcoming draft class doesn't look like it's going to be a very deep quarterback uh, draft class either. So, I, I'm, you know, obviously they're going to roll a two and me personally, I'm okay with that. <laughs> let's, let's get some more two at a time and uh, keep the, keep the bills at the top of that division. Oh, <laughs> shot at Tua, man. You're, I mean, you're not even warming up into this. You're, you're just going right off on Tua right there. I get it. I get it though. I, I say those things about the Seattle Seahawks every chance that I get. So I totally get it. Um, one other um, head coaching vacancy that, that came available on Monday that wasn't quite as shocking, but I also was like, oh, was it the right time to do it? Was Vic Fangio. What are your thoughts on that, Ronnie? Uh, that one's tough. I really feel like that they're just uh, a quarterback away there, and I don't know that the answer is on the roster. And Like I said, the, the draft doesn't look very promising either. But then again, you never know. Nobody said Tom Brady looked like a promising quarterback uh, when he was taken in the sixth round. So – they gave him some time, though. It wasn't like a one-and-done, but I think they just wanted to move on. The offense, they do have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Just that quarterbacking was kind of a thorn in their side for and has been for a while now since Manning left. Yeah, and the, um, I thought the defense in Denver was, was played. I mean, matter of fact, they, they took Kansas City in that last game of the season – they played them tough, and you could see in the draft they, they were drafting players for the secondary. Their free agency um, acquisitions that they brought in in the offseason were tailored towards that secondary get after the pass rusher, but then they traded Von Miller, and I wonder if that's maybe mid part of the season when they traded Von Miller and they're going, hey, we don't have a quarterback, and we need to get one in here because that's kind of – you know, our, our thorn in the side is we don't have a guy and we need a guy. There's lots of guys in this division. We got Derek Carr, we got um, Justin Herbert, and we got Patrick Mahomes. And when you have Teddy Bridgewater, who's a serviceable quarterback, and then you have Drew Locke, who, uh, let's be honest, going into, I, I believe now we're, we're talking about his third year in the league, yeah. hasn't really done anything that, you know, really makes you go, oh man, that guy... He's a baller. Um, they need a guy, especially with their, to compete in their division. So I, I, I have to think that that had to have been a big part of their decision. I agree. And I know when the Von Miller trade happened, uh, there was rumblings that, okay, Denver's already ca- cashing in on the season, uh, calling it, a, you know, hoping for let's, let's clear some cap space. Let's see what maybe we can get some uh, future trades and, or um, draft picks. And, We'll see. We're gonna we'll see what happens there as well. There could be again some quarterback movement, uh, either in trades, free agency, or whatever. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, there's no kind of week to warm up into the playoffs than the final week of the season. You got teams battling it out 
that, you know, it's literally their playoffs, like the 49ers, like the Chargers, like the, the Raiders uh, were battling it out there. And then right after that is almost opposite of you got guys losing jobs, um, uh, you know, about their performance over the last couple of years in David Culley's situation. He was only, he only got to be a coach for one year yeah, and it was he- a foreign, was that four and 13 season for David Culley there, but he didn't really have much. He wasn't really set up for success at all, which it, I, I think it, to me is almost rather unfair. A four-win job in Houston this year, that's almost uh, coach of the year <laughs> in my <laughs> mind. Like you win four games with a roster pieced together of 25 players that are signed to a one-year contract in that division that you played in, in the AFC. And not to mention they beat like to your point, when you're talking about the Chargers had an opportunity to help themselves out when they lost to the Houston Texans who blew them out of the water before week 18 or week, that was week 16. They, they did that. That uh, didn't bode well either. So uh, for the Chargers, but I thought Coley was doing a really great job there. I thought they looked like a tougher football team that second half of the year than they did earlier in the year. I really liked watching David Mills. He looked like, I mean, not a lot of people were talking about him just because the team that he was on, but I thought he performed really well for a rookie in the situation that he was in. I agree. Uh, yeah. Rookie quarterback coming in, nobody expected anything out of him. And I, I agree. I, yeah, I think he played really well. And I think that maybe they have a future with him and they just uh, hopefully can build around him. Yeah, I hope so. And there's going to be a lot of questions. Ronnie, we're going to have a lot to talk about this offseason because we got quarterback vacancies. We got head coaching vacancies. We're going to have a crazy free agency period where the salary cap is expected to go up, up, up. But first, we got to talk about these playoffs. I almost want to bust out my Jim Mora playoffs. <laughs> we're finally here. And we're going to be back right after this word from our sponsors to talk about the playoffs. One time at B-Dubs, this crew came in hungry for flavor and football. Lucky for them, we got both for days. Especially on Boneless Thursdays, with buy one, get one free hot and crispy boneless wings and football on wall-to-wall TVs, that crew couldn't leave hungry if they tried. Get here for Boneless Thursdays at Buffalo Wild Wings, to the greatest of all times. Bogo boneless wings of equal value at participating locations on Thursdays. Not valid with other offers. Size exclusions apply. While supplies last. Limit one. Fees may apply. All right. We're back here on the Peepcast. I love me some Buffalo Wild Wings, man. But, Ronnie, you were telling me that the wings in Buffalo were, like, in a different universe. Entirely different universe. It's insane. Uh, you know, I've always heard for a long time that you don't get true chicken wings unless you go to Buffalo. And I'm like, okay, how good can they be? Uh, it's not even comparable. It really isn't. I don't know how I'm ever going to eat a chicken wing outside of Buffalo again. So oh. I just might have to make a special trip <laughs> somehow. <laughs> you know, I, I heard that when Emmanuel Sanders, so I follow Emmanuel Sanders on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. And when he first went to Buffalo, that was like the first thing that he did. And he made a huge deal about it. So what's what's so different about these wings, man? I really don't know. I, I honestly could not tell you. Uh, one thing that you'll find if you're ever in Buffalo and you're eating 
boneless wings or you're dipping them in ranch, there's someone that's going to take a picture of you and post it on Twitter and make fun of you. You don't do it. It's bone in and it's blue cheese. Those are your only options. In fact, it's interesting when you order wings in Buffalo, they don't even ask you. You just get blue cheese. (laughs) They don't ask you if you want boneless. They don't ask you if you want any other dipping sauce. This is what you get. And that's how it is. But it's absolutely amazing. Oh, man, that that sounds good. Well, not all of us can go to Buffalo, Ronnie, and not all of us can go and get some authentic Buffalo wings. But make sure you stop by your local Buffalo Wild Wings. We got lots of playoff action. There's nothing better than a cold beer and some wings, uh, especially from Buffalo Wild Wings. Ronnie, we got some playoffs to talk about. First one that I want to talk about, and it's actually going to be the first game on Sunday. It's going to be on NBC Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. We got the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati is 1-8 all-time in the wild card round. They have lost seven straight. I'm having a hard time thinking uh, that that trend's going to continue this game. I agree. Uh, I mean, the Bengals certainly look loaded, especially on the offensive side of the, the ball. Um, we look at the Raiders, and nobody expecting them to be here where they are now. Somehow they just keep finding a way to win. There's four straight wins coming in. Uh, they might be one of the hotter teams in, in football right now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. And I know the last time these two teams played, uh, the Bengals kind of ran them out. But um, I don't know, this Raiders team, you just don't give up on them. Yeah, there's just something – I mean, Derek Carr, this is his first playoff game that he's going to play in because the last time he had the opportunity to be in the playoffs, he broke his leg right before the playoffs, and they had to have a backup come in. And obviously that changed everything, but they looked really, really good that year. I want to say that they were 12-4 and four that yeah. season. Um, but what it, it's just crazy. I know that he's hungry. I know that they're kind of coming in hot. And it's not – I mean, we've seen the New York Giants sneak in the playoffs twice, in fact, and go on a run. And, I mean, everything on paper right now, I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, I just have this feeling. Joe Burrow, he's got – you know, he's going to be smoking some cigars after the game maybe. And <laughs> he's going to be throwing long balls to Jamar Chase. And they got all these wide receivers. They got T. Higgins. Uh, they got a really good running back in, in Joe Mixon. I'm really surprised that they had the, the kind of season that they did because looking at it before the year, I didn't think that they had the roster to really do this, but they've really played really well. Zach Taylor has done a tremendous job with them. They're 13th on offense, 18th on defense, kind of playing semi-complimentary football. But what's really great is that they had the seventh overall passing offense. I mean, they're lighting up the scoreboard, but the Raiders are doing that too. They got the sixth overall passing offense. But what is really crazy about this game is that the Raiders are the first team since at least 1940 that has 10 or more wins with a point differential of minus 50 or worse in the same season. That's outstanding. That's crazy to me. So you mean to tell me your opponent scored more points than you going into the playoffs (laughs) and you're in the playoffs? (laughs) It doesn't really seem like a recipe for for winning, does it? It it sure doesn't. I what do you expect in this game? I I'm expecting a lot of a lot of throwing the ball. Um, I'm expecting, I mean, almost kind of 
I feel like it could be a shootout. I really do. It could be, but you know what? The one thing you mentioned the Giants a while ago, kind of backed into the playoffs and they made a run. Uh, we all know what happened when they shut down Tom Brady in that uh, a potential undefeated season. They got after Brady. This Raiders front four, they can get after Burrow. Uh, that's probably the one thing that they can hang their hat on, and it's not like the Bengals front uh, front five, their offensive line. They're not stellar by any means. They're average at best. So if the Raiders can pull this off, that's where it's going to happen. So I would not be shocked if the Bengals put it in Mixon's hand and let, and let him just running down their throats. That's That to me is what I would personally do because the Raiders will get after you. Max Crosby, that guy is an absolute animal. Uh, they call him Mad Max for a reason. That guy, I mean, he looks like he should be in the movie Mad Max. He's a <laughs> psychopath. And yeah. then you got Yannick Ngakwe. He, what a great addition for their front four. Uh, they do have the ability. That's a great call out to, to get after the passer. If, if the Raiders are able to stop the run and get the Bengals in, you know, third and longs, that's definitely going to be a key to the game, I, I think, because that's where I do think the Raiders have an advantage is getting after the passer. Now, the Bengals have a good pass rusher of their own, but it's, it, it's really only one guy that, that I can think of, and that's Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, and I do think if, uh, if Carr has some time back there, he, he can – he can move the ball uh, between and getting Waller back. That's a huge uh, addition back to the roster for the Raiders. And he played last week. He wasn't actually uh, a huge part of the, the that game. But just the threat of him being there, it really opens things up for, you know, Renfro, uh, Zay Jones, who, you know, a former Bills guy they drafted. Uh, so I'm pretty familiar with him. And he so he can make some plays, too, for, for the Raiders. So we'll see. It's, I think it's going to be a, a lot tighter game than people are anticipating. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the Raiders are, are I mean, they're, they're coming in the playoffs. It's hard to say that they backed in because they won four straight, but they were on the outside looking in all the way until that final week. Um, but you're right. That last meeting that they had, November 21st, the Bengals won 32-13. to That game was in Las Vegas. Uh Waller, he's going to be a big factor, but one factor that I always think about this when it comes to playoffs, like playoffs is a little bit different. You know, you have things kind of get magnified in the playoffs. You know, they say defense travels and they say running games travel and Josh Jacobs, man, he looked like he's had some, I mean, in that game against the Chargers, he looked like he had some pop in this step, which for a guy who's really been the workhorse of that Raiders running game, he looked pretty fresh going in, you know, playing against the Chargers last week. And I got to think that the Raiders are going to have to have a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs in this game. I agree. And you're right. He looked, he looked healthy for the first time in, in a long time. I know he's been battling injuries all season long. Uh, at some points they even had Kendrick Drake was carrying the load. Uh, they had Peyton Barber carrying the load. I remember one game Peyton Barber had over 100 yards rushing, uh, and he he won a lot of people fantasy weeks that week because uh, he can't, he was a, a surprise. But uh, Josh Jacobs, you're absolutely right. He looks like he is a man on a mission now. He looks healthy. He looks ready to roll. I'll, I'll tell you just you know just what the Raiders have done to be able to be in this situation. You think of everything that they have gone through not just on the football field, but off the field. You know, Coach Gruden gets fired. 
Henry Ruggs has that horrible tragedy that happened that that took took a life of uh, of a of another human being because he was driving drunk. Those are two big things that can happen to a football team. But what I've kind of seen as they kind of progress is I almost feel like those situations, not to say that those weren't bad situations, guys that are remaining in the locker room, I feel like it's kind of galvanized them a little bit and kind of said, you want to know what? We have every reason to give up, but we're not going to. And I got to say that I got to tip my hat to the leadership of somebody like Derek Carr. It seems like, you know, they're, they're following him into this. I agree. These are moments in the season that you were speaking of with Ruggs and, and Gruden that can absolutely derail the team. And in this case, it, it didn't. And you're right. It's almost like it brought them together. And uh, coming down the stretch, they're playing extremely well. They had that misstep with uh, the Chiefs, got blown out. And term coach, I don't know. I would strongly consider making him the permanent guy after what he's done. Even if they do lose this weekend to, to the Bengals, I, I would strongly consider him as the head coach going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he's done an, an outstanding job. Um, uh, man, I, I, I'm kind of – I've almost talked myself into switching my pick in this game, Ronnie. It, it almost makes me mad, but uh, I'll toss it up to you. Who you got in this game? Oh, man. I think at the end of the day, I'm uh, – you know what? I... Your wife's going to get mad at you, Ronnie. <laughs> You know, and her and I talked about this the other day. But I am—I'm going to go with the Raiders. Actually, I'm going to—I'm going to go oh, out. Oh man! Oh man! She I'll talked call, you I'll into it, Ronnie. I'll call it my upset of the weekend. How about that? And uh, I think that pass rush is going to get after Burrow, and I think the Raiders—they uh, can run on this defense with Josh De- Josh Jacobs, and like you said, defense travels, uh, running game travels, and they've got both. So, uh, I think. I think they can pull it out. I really do. And so my only biggest concern would be, you know, that rookie uh, wide receiver over there, Jamar Chase. Uh, that guy can make some plays. But I think at the end of the day, that Raiders pass rush is going to gonna make a difference. Yeah. I mean, that, there's nothing that stops uh, a high-powered passing game like a good pass rush, and, and we know that can happen. And as we kind of talk through this, you know, you looked me in the eye last night when we were talking about, um, our podcast today, and you said, "Ah, oh, Jamie's gonna kill me. I'm gonna pick against the Raiders." And now you're going for the Raiders. You want to know what? I'm gonna make this interesting because I've been for the Bengals in this game, but you've almost convinced me to be the Raiders. But I'm not gonna do it, Ronnie. I'm not gonna <laughs> do it. I'm gonna pick the Bengals, and the reason I'm gonna pick the Bengals is I just feel offensively they have more weapons. When you look at the Raiders, they got Josh Jacobs. They got Waller. Outside of that, there's not a receiver that really scares me. But if you look at the Bengals' offense and what they're able to do, they can run the ball with Joe Mixon. They have T. Higgins. They have Jamar Chase. They have Boyd. They have three receivers that are very competent in getting that done. And the more that Jamar Chase gets targets and goes off because he's really – these, this last five weeks of the season, he's really kind of become a superstar in this league as a rookie. I got to think that it's going to be one of those other guys that that come up big. And 
Joe Burrow, he just has this swag about him, man. I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. All right, Ronnie, this one is near and dear to your heart. (laughs) Next up, we have the New England Patriots visiting the Buffalo Bills, the AFC East champion. That's right, Buffalo Bills. That has to sound good. I got to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going to turn it over to you because – I know you are very, very close uh, in looking at this meeting. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, the Patriots have been around since basically the AFL days. Bills have been around since AFL days. Yet this is their first matchup between these two teams in a playoff uh, since the Super Bowl era. In fact, the last time they faced each other in a playoff was 1963, and they were uh, Boston at the time. It was not New England. Uh so as far as the game itself goes, it's going to be cold. They're talking single digits. And I don't know that that's really going to affect either team differently. You know, New England can get pretty cold. They played in some cold weather games. So I don't think that's really going to be an issue. But um, I, I just I, I don't see the Patriots really as a threat, honestly. I don't see Matt Jones as the heir apparent. I could be wrong. Maybe in a couple of years they'll prove me wrong. But right now, he's he's not it. And the only thing really the Patriots have going for them, to your point while I go with the, the Raiders, they don't have a lot offensively. I don't see that New England really has a lot offensively either. And that Bills defense, they are number one in the league. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've given up some yards on the, the ground from time to time against some of the more potent foes like, you know, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, neither one of those guys play for New England. So I, I just see this as a Bills victory. They're only favored by four last I checked, but um, this is going to be a double-digit win for Buffalo. Double-digit win. You want to know what? I There's some things that you, that you mentioned in there that I kind of, you know, I'm like, you know what? You do have some things going for you. Mac Jones in particular, rookie quarterbacks are two and eight as starters in the postseason since 2010. And both rookie wins were against other rookie starting quarterbacks. Last time I checked, Josh Allen's not a rookie. In fact, he, at one point in the season at least, was one of the favorites to win the MVP. So he's no rookie. He knows how to sling it around. They got the fifth-ranked overall offense. You know that, I mean, New England's been a thorn in their side, not just this season, but for many seasons. Also, here's another interesting stat to go towards your chain of thought there is Bill Belichick is three and seven as a head coach in the postseason versus teams that beat him in the season. And he has lost five straight of those games. Is this a turn of the tide in the AFC East? I mean, the Patriots, number one, they're not used to playing the wildcard round. They're used to having that little cush first round by we'll get to play the lowest seed because, you know, we're in there. They did go to eight straight. Uh, championship games but I just don't see it going that way I I kind of feel like Buffalo last time they played they had their number and I kind of feel that way going into this game I agree I I just don't think they're gonna have an answer for Josh Allen I don't and um, he's he's probably gonna get it on the ground he's gonna do it through the air and uh, it feels like this team they're they're healthy in fact their injury report came out today nobody on the list at all so that's that's huge and um there's just yeah i don't know man it's i don't see the patriots keeping up 
I really don't. I just don't think they have the horses to do it. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, do you think the weather is going to play a factor at all? I, uh, one report that I read is that it's going to be uh, a below zero wind chill in this game. And if you remember uh, the first time these two teams met, there was one crazy windstorm that was in Buffalo that really kind of limited the Bills offense. Do you foresee anything like that happening in this game? I don't. Uh, those winds in that game were reaching upwards of 40 miles per hour. And, it's not going to happen this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be cold. The, the, the ball is definitely going to be hard. And that's one concern I do have is uh, Allen, he still sometimes does struggle with his, not necessarily ball control, but the touch. And sometimes he will still zip it in there. And he came out saying uh, earlier this week that he does not plan on changing his mechanics or how he throws it because once you start doing that, uh, other things start happening and, you know, in a negative way. So, you know, his, his guys just got to catch the ball and, and I think they will. Uh, they just new England. I don't see them only throwing the ball three times. And I don't recall the number of sacks that new England had on them. Or I'm sorry. Buffalo had on new England last time. Uh, but I know it was up there. Buffalo recorded nine sacks against the jets last week on Sunday is starting to really get fired up and that team as a whole, they're healthy, and they're pumped. They look like they're ready to roll. It's, I mean, it's going to be a huge game. This game is going to take place at 6.15 p.m. You're going to be able to see this game on CBS, Paramount+. Plus. You can listen to the game on NFL Game Pass, Westwood One, or Sirius XM. It's going to be crazy. Ronnie, I already know who you're going to pick, so I'm going to take my first stab at this. I have the Bills in this game, although I don't think it's going to be by double digits. I actually think that it's going to be a very, very close game. I think that New England's going to stay in there. I love Josh Allen to death, but there are some times where he gets erratic and he starts to press. If New England can make him press, this is going to be one of those games that is going to be tough. And I think Buffalo, I know they're at home, but they're going to have to bring the running game too. They're not going to just be able to sit back there and throw the ball 45 times. They're going to be, have to be complimentary. They're going to have to run the ball and try to keep New England honest because I think, especially with New England, but with any sort of team, if you get one-dimensional and they can just tee off on you, it's going to be tough, let alone a Bill Belichick coach defense with the guys that he has on there. That's a talented defense that they're going to be able, uh, they're going to be able to do. If, if Josh Allen does not turn over the ball and he plays within himself and makes those plays that we all know, he's running all over the field, slinging it and not turning the ball over. I got Buffalo in this game, but I do think he gives at least one to the Patriots. I think that the Patriots are going to stay in it early, but I think Buffalo is going to pull away late, and I think that they're going to win by six to eight points right in there. I'll say – I think uh, Buffalo's going to win by six points. I got Buffalo in this game. All right. I will say this, too. Uh, to your point about running the ball, let's not forget Dolphins ran up 190-plus on the Patriots last week. And Devin Singletary has been getting uh, pretty hot here as of, as of late. They've been giving him the rock and giving him the opportunities. Uh, and I, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they win the game this game on the back of Singletary this, this time around, especially Ooh. with cold weather. Yeah, with the weather, I mean, defense and, and the running game. Again, you know, two two games we're talking about that, right? All right, so those are the Saturday games, January 15th. 
Uh, just to recap again, we got the Raiders uh, at the Bengals, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. You can see that game on NBC Peacock uh, and Peacock, the Peacock app, if you want to uh, stream that. Um, and then on Saturday uh, as well, 6.15 p.m. kickoff time for the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. You can catch that game on CBS or Paramount+. Plus. Of course, you can also stream the radio broadcast on SiriusXM, Westwood One, and NFL Game Pass. Sunday, January 16th, first game, we got 11 a.m. kickoff time on Fox. We got the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this almost feels to me in a way that, and almost every time that I've said this, it, it turns out to not be true. But I feel like the Eagles, they got in. They're the seventh seed. And I almost feel like they're tossing the Eagles to, to be a sacrificial lamb against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I'm having a hard time thinking the Eagles are going to have much of a chance in this game, Ronnie. I don't see Philadelphia keeping up. I, I still have my reservations about Jalen Hurts as well. Yes, he can run, but can he throw the ball? And that's kind of the same knock on Allen for the first couple of years is, yeah, he can run, but can he throw it when it needs to? And I, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is that guy just yet. Uh, I'm certainly not kicking him to the curb as a bust or anything like that at this point, but I think they're going to have to, they're going to need to throw the ball and uh, to keep up. And I don't know that they can do that. Yeah. I don't know if they can. I mean, to your point about Jalen Hurts, uh, he's playing against somebody I think you all may have heard of uh, Tom Brady and quarterbacks age 25 or younger. So younger quarterbacks playing against Tom Brady in the playoffs are two and 11 versus him uh, in his playoff career. The only ones to beat him, Mark Sanchez and Joe Flacco. So, and that wasn't really, if you think about those teams, that wasn't just Flacco and it wasn't just Sanchez. Those were defensive performances. Oh yeah. So yeah, in this game, I, I, I think, you know, for Philadelphia, they're going to have to run the ball. That is their bread and butter. They're going to have to run it and run it well. I think one of the, the, the worst scenarios that can happen in this game, I think we're going to be able to tell early the way that this game is going to go. That's just the way that I'm seeing it. I feel like if Philadelphia gets the ball, the worst thing that could possibly happen is a run for one yard, a run for two yards, incomplete pass, and a punt to Tom Brady. I think if that happens it's going to turn real quick uh, because Philadelphia is going to have to be able to control uh, possession of the ball. They're not going to have to make mistakes. I don't think they can have Jalen Hurts throw for 30 times a game. I think it's going to have to be between 20 and 25 times for them to be successful. Also the Eagles, their own six this season versus teams that have made the playoffs. So they, they haven't, Every team that is in the playoffs that they played, they've lost against. They're nine and two versus everybody else, and I mean that just kind of shows you the NFC East. There, Philadelphia only defeated one team with the winning record, and that's New Orleans. So things just kind of looking at that, that doesn't bode well for them. I agree, and you know the the Tampa Bay they do have a good run defense, but one of the things that I found interesting. Yeah, they are the third-ranked run defense in the league, yet they have the fewest rush attempts against, but they're giving up 4.3 yards per carry against uh, opposing running backs and or opposing teams. So I think there is opportunity there for Philly to get the ball rolling. 
And if they can do that, shorten the game and keep Tom Brady off the field, maybe they've got a shot at it. I, at the end of the day, I just think there's too many weapons on the Tampa side. And I think they start to pull away a little bit and force Hurts into trying to uh, pass them back into the game. And I don't know that he can do it. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, they're the, they're the defending Super Bowl champions for a reason. And Tom Brady, yeah, he, he played great in that Super Bowl. But that was a defensive performance. Uh, that was out there against a very high-powered Kansas City Chiefs team. I know we Tampa Bay kind of throughout this year. Yeah, they've they've had some duds, but you know, to me, what team hasn't this year? It's been a crazy year. Um, and in that, you know, being said, there there could be something crazy that happens. I know there's going to be something crazy that happens this weekend, Ronnie, that neither one of us are expecting. But I just have such a hard time picking against Tom Brady and that defense. I mean, Tom Brady has won the Super Bowl when Jalen Hurts was three, when he was five, when he was six. He was 16. He was 18. He was 20. Tom Brady won six Super Bowls before Jalen Hurts could have a beer. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, Tom Brady – I I can never say he's the the GOAT because I I have somebody else in mind for that, but – He's definitely up there, and it's going to be a tough game for Philly. I think it is, but, you know, I'll, I'll throw this out there too because I want to be somewhat objective with this because I'm looking at this, and I know what Tampa can do. I know what Tom Brady can do, and I know what that defense can do. But I believe there was a Super Bowl not that far off that had the Philadelphia Eagles with against Tom Brady and nobody was given Philadelphia much of a chance in that game. And if I'm not mistaken, Philly won that game. Yeah. Uh, off the Philly special. I, yeah. I, you're absolutely right. Anything can happen. That's why Anything. they call it super wildcard weekend. Well, I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one, Ronnie. I agree. Uh, All right. Yeah. I just don't see Philly keeping up. I I don't see that either. Next up, oh, this one is near and dear to my heart. And this is nostalgic for me because the last time these two teams faced each other in the playoffs was the 1994 NFC Championship game. Yeah, you heard that right. That's the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Dallas to face the Dallas Cowboys in this game. I'm almost going to have to go bust out my starter jacket for this one. <laughs> there you go. It's it's going to be crazy. I uh, I'm obviously very excited for this game. Now, it's going to be hard for me to sound objective, but I'm really, I truly, whether the 49ers are my team or not, I I feel like Dallas is going to run is running into a buzzsaw right now, and here's why. Dallas is one in four against teams that have that have 10 wins or more this season. And if you look at their schedule, it's not nearly as battle tested as what the 49ers are. Hell, the 49ers had a 0.4 chance to to win the game last week and they stormed back against a Rams team that is very talented, that has a very talented defense. I just feel like the 49ers play such a physical brand of football that honestly the Dallas Cowboys have not seen this season. Yeah, they got the number one offense, but the 49ers also have the third-ranked defense in the league, and Bosa and Armstead and D. 
and all those guys, I, I feel like they're going to be able to stop the run, Dallas's run, and that's going to spell doom for Dak Prescott because they're going to be able to tee off on him. Yeah, and you know, you look at the last couple of games for Dallas, uh, and they've lit up their opponents, and they had kind of a an easy go of it. I, I do think the Niners have been playing almost playoff football for a solid month, and I think that's going to play a part in it. And on the surface, I was looking at this game, and I thought, oh, there's no way San Francisco can keep up with that offense. But it, it, when you start digging into the numbers, San Francisco's good. And um, I think they can keep up. I think their defense can definitely slow down that offense. They're not putting up 50-plus against San Francisco. And I think that's going to be a big difference once you kind of start putting some pressure on Prescott in that offense and they have to make plays, I think that's when they start getting into trouble. And I think San Francisco can do that. Yeah, I think I, – I definitely think they can too. I mean, now listen, there's there's not another team like San Francisco in the league when you really think about it. I mean, a lot of teams have, you know, a stable of running backs – or not a stable of running backs, but they, they run the ball pretty conventionally. And San Francisco does everything but that. I mean – they put their best wide receiver in the backfield at times, and he has eight rushing touchdowns this year. This guy's throwing the ball from the backfield, and I'm talking about Debo Samuel. And, you know, he's hard to bring down. They hand him the ball between the tackles. That's got to be hard to prepare against because it's so unconventional type of offense. And quite frankly, they they play bully ball. And Micah Parsons actually had bulletin board material today when he said – that uh, he comes from a town that is made of bullies and all it takes is somebody to stand up to the bully and he's used to bullying the bullies. Uh So I think it's fair to say that it's game on between these two rivals and they're going to renew their rivalry on Sunday at 225. Uh, This game's going to be played on CBS. You're going to be able to stream it on Paramount Plus. This game's also going to be on Nickelodeon for you kids. You're going to be able to see SpongeBob, in the in the end zone you're going to see slime time and all that this this game will also be on amazon prime video this game is going to be i think it's going to be a really good game but i i'm going to say i'm picking san francisco to kind of run away with this one it's funny that both we're both picking our teams to kind of run away with this playoff (laughs) in this first round but i just don't think dallas matches up i think they they're like a shiny new toy that just hasn't gone through the playground yet. And San Francisco has been through the playground and they, to your point, they've been playing playoff style football for a solid month. They played a lot of playoff teams and they've had success against them and they're hot coming into the playoffs. This is a, this is a matchup. I think Dallas did not want. And even Michael Irvin said he's worried about this game. And when Michael Irvin stands there and you know, he's friends with <laughs> Jerry Jones and oh, for yeah. him to say that is, is a soundbite, man. So I got the San Francisco 49ers in this game. I think it's close, but I think they pull away late, and I I, I, I think that they win by by 10 or more. Uh, I'm actually going to agree with you. Um, I think at the end of the day, the 49ers are coming in. I, I cannot stress enough the, the, the playoff-type, you know, atmosphere situations that they've been in for a while now, and that really, I think, is going to play – pay huge dividends for them and I, I until I see Prescott get it done in the playoffs and a big game week in and week out I'm not sold 
So I, th- I do agree. I think the Niners defense makes a couple plays, gets a, a turnover or two, and 49ers cash in on that and start to pull away. Yeah, and, you know, it, 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 what's really crazy, and I, I followed, obviously, the 49ers. I'm a huge fan of theirs. But the one thing that really, you know, sticks with me is I've watched them deal with adversity, not just this year, but last year, really since they lost the Super Bowl against Kansas City. You know, 2020 hit, and that was such a a crazy season for everybody. You know, no fans in the stands. They had a record number of injuries on their team that year. They still end up 6-10. and And then the last half of the season, they actually have to pick up and move from Santa Clara to go to Glendale, Arizona to play in a divisional rival stadium to close out the year. Then they start off the beginning part of this year with a – massive trade to move up to third overall to draft Trey Lance. So then everybody's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, who Jimmy's handled it like a pro. They start off slow. They were three and five at one point before they played the Rams on Monday night and kind of turned that. I shouldn't say kind of, they did turn their season around. I just feel like they have faced every sort of adversity that you possibly can within the last couple of years. I feel like they're hungry. They, came back and they have no quit in them. They came back in a game that honestly, I was surprised that they were even able to do that. And I just feel like at this point they're playing with house money and they're ready to bully some people around. So that's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. Um, We both picked the 49ers in that. All right. So we got the Steelers and the chiefs next that game kicks off 6 15 PM mountain standard time on Sunday, January 16th. You can see this game on NBC and Peacock. Ronnie, do you think that the that the Steelers have any chance in this game? Because they kind of backed into the playoffs. They only made it by the grace of the Las Vegas Raiders kicking a field goal and not tying the Chargers. I'm having a hard time seeing them match up in this game. I agree. Uh, you look at the numbers, the Steelers – I, I don't see it. I don't. I can't even put in my mind a, a, a way or a story where they pull it off. I, I really don't. Uh, it could be an amazing story being Big Ben's last season. Um, so maybe that pulls the team together and they play out of their minds. But I just I don't see it. I don't see it on the defensive side. I don't see it. Uh, maybe Watt gets after and makes some plays, but one guy is not going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, and I mean, they have a really good record when Watt is in there, um, and he is definitely a game changer. But, you know, the last time these two teams played, it wasn't that long ago. It was actually on Christmas when the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 36-10. to The Chiefs had the, the number three offense in the league, and the Steelers only had the 23rd ranked offense. So for me, I just don't think, you know, looking at that, and just using my head, I just don't think that they're going to be able to score enough points. And as John Madden would say, well, the team that scores the most points is going to win the game. And I think that team is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I agree. And it's not like the Steelers have been really scoring a lot of points to begin with. They might need two or three games worth of points to, to keep up with the Chiefs. And, and that's just not going to happen. Uh, the Chiefs are going to, I think, I don't even think that's going to be close. I'm thinking maybe 20-plus point differential. Uh, it, it's – 
it's not going to be much of a game to watch unless you're a Chiefs fan and then you're all for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think – I mean, the the Chiefs, I, I think it would be crazy if we said at the beginning of the year that they are going to play in the wild card round. I, I think everybody expected them to be the number one seed in the AFC, and the Titans kind of kind of took that from them. Uh, the Chiefs are going to have to play a lot of games – to be able to get back to their Super Bowl, they played a lot of football. That is one thing I don't think that a lot of people think about that might go against them in this postseason. I don't think it's going to hurt them in this game. Uh, the only thing that I can see to your TJ Watt is going to have to have a career game to yeah. force some turnovers where the Steelers can get out to a lead. If that happens, they got a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Uh, I, I just think that that's a too big of those are big plays to be able to get turnovers. But Patrick Mahomes, he's turned over the ball a lot this year. He really has. He he has uh, double digit interceptions this season. Um, big Ben though, he uh, he's three and four in the wild card round, which is tied for the most losses, um, which is not good in, in the wild card round. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is 6-0 in the postseason versus quarterbacks not named Tom Brady. And uh, I don't think uh, Roethlisberger spells Brady. So it's looking good for the Chiefs. Yeah, last time I checked. Uh, I just – there's so many things that the Steelers would have to do. They'd have to get a lot of turnovers. I think they would have to run the hell out of Najee Harris. They would have to score a lot of points. Are they capable of doing it? Yes. I mean, that defense of the Chiefs. They've been wishy-washy, right? Beginning part yeah. of the season, didn't play well. But to finish the season, I would say that they were one of the top defenses in the league that last month of the season, especially getting pressure on quarterbacks with uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I just don't I just don't see, especially with what the Kansas City Chiefs can do on offense. I can't talk myself into a way that the Steelers are going to be in this game. I think Kansas City wins by double digits. I agree. And to your point, I guess maybe I could see a world where it happens. But, yeah, you're right. TJ Watt's going to have to have a career game. And so is Najee Harris. I know his one-year career. But I think, they're yeah, they're going to have to run him to death. Again, keep that offense of the Chiefs on the sidelines and Mahomes on the sidelines. And I think that's the only way. But I, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I – I was never on the debate team in high school, but nonetheless, I don't think I can make a, any sort of debate to go against the Chiefs in this matchup. The numbers don't say it. Um, it would have to take some pretty crazy heroics. I just don't see it. Um, well, that's it for this episode of the Peepcast. Um, I do have a couple things. So first, Ronnie, it's been amazing having you on here, man. I am so excited uh, to continue doing this with you. In fact, I'm so excited that, yeah, I know that you know that there's one more playoff game that we didn't discuss because on Monday we're going to have a reaction show of the playoffs and what happened on Saturday and Sunday. So you're going to have to wait till Monday to get our prediction for what's going to happen between the Arizona Cardinals and the Rams and all the crazy stuff that happened. It is super wild card weekend after all, and we could only cover that in two episodes. So there's that. And then I wanted to congratulate Debbie Peebler. My mom actually won the last week of the picks. 
congratulations to you. You're going to get $20 to Buffalo Wild Wings. I know that you're really happy about that. Don't give it to dad and make sure that you run up the bill and make sure that he has to pay for the rest of it. Okay, mom, you can tell him I said that because he needs to listen to this podcast. Uh, Ronnie, dude, this has been great, man. How'd you feel? Oh, this has been fantastic. I, dude, I cannot thank you enough for giving me this opportunity to join you. Uh, it's kind of been a dream of mine and this has been so much fun and I cannot wait for uh, the future of this podcast and, and see where this goes. This has been great. It's been awesome having you on and it was easy to talk over an hour with you uh, about football there. Uh, if you guys like this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to it. Make sure you click on that bell uh, up there. Make sure you get your notifications every time that we do a podcast. Uh, make sure that you tell your friends about it. We would love to hear some interaction. We have a Facebook page. Ronnie, you're building a Twitter page for us. Um, we're out there. We want to interact with our fans, uh, and we want to make sure that we're providing you with all the content for you guys to talk trash in your office pools to make sure that you can drop all this knowledge on all your friends. But until Monday, the Peepcast, Ronnie, we're out. We're out. <laughs>